All right, what is up, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, hermanos y hermanas, uncles, aunts, brothers, whatever. So this is going to be episode four of my podcast. No, actually, it's episode three. I am so sorry about that mistake. I made my outline and realized that I am stupid, but I was also half half awake when I made it. Um, so today, kind of keeping up with the theme where I left off in my last, last podcast, talking about horror movies, we're going to go over um, just some horror movie deaths that I think really stand out and are pretty cool, and I'm going to try to go into detail on some of them. Uh, some of them you've pretty common, a lot of you may have heard them. Uh, and there's no real particular order to these. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, this is the best one. This one's my favorite. They're, they're all pretty unique in their own right. And, um, I mean, they just, they, they stood out to me. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and start off with number one, um, Jason's mother's decapitation in the very original Friday the 13th, 1980. That was the reason why this one sticks out to me is because it was really the first rated R horror movie that my dad allowed me to watch when I was 14. Now, unbeknownst to him, I had already seen a shit ton of them already online. So, it, but the fact that it was like, you know, I was trying to find a movie one night and I said, man, I really want to watch a horror movie, but we don't really have any. And he goes, well, why don't you check out Friday the 13th? And I was just like, holy fuck. Like, you don't understand. To me, that was a big step. That was a huge, huge step for me. So, um, but just to give a little um, insight into the what's going on in the scene. Basically, Jason's mother is on a murder rampage at Camp Crystal Lake because the camp counselors weren't watching Jason when the other kids were bullying him and he drowned. So she decides to basically take revenge on all camp counselors and she's chasing after the main character. And I I guess I guess this is why Jason's weapon of choice becomes the machete is because she's charging after her. The protagonist is charging after his mother and all of a sudden the film slows down as she's running towards her mom. You just see her fit the mom's face light up and she's about to scream and then girl starts swinging the machete and bam we're in full speed and you just see this woman's head fly off and that was really I mean I like I said I had seen horror movies that were way worse already but I feel like that one's a pretty famous one is that that decapitation um I mean, it, can it be viewed as cheesy? Yeah, sure, but I still like practical effects better than I do CGI blood nowadays. It's just, it's you can tell it's so cheesy. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's going to be my first one. My second one is going to be the from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the very first one. There is a scene where one of the characters is crawling through the house of the Sawyers and he finds that, you know, that infamous red door where Tommy is hiding behind and he's kind of crawling up to it and all of a sudden the door just slides open 
and Tommy or Leatherface, whichever you want to use for his name, takes his freaking mallet and just hits him on the head. And this dude just collapses. Now, this movie, a lot of people say that, oh man, it's one of the most twisted movies out there in the world. And when I finally saw the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I could see where people would say that. It is pretty twisted, but there's not a lot of on-screen gore. There really isn't a lot of on-screen gore. And it's, it's mostly just the shock factor of it but what stood out about this scene to me is just the inhumanity of it I mean here's this human being and then bam this mallet comes crashing down and the actor who portrayed the protagonist gets killed and hit in the head with this hammer I mean the way he just goes limp it just stood out to me you know the way he just goes limp and gets dragged off by Leatherface was something that I was just like, oh, damn, you know, and you didn't need to have, you didn't need to have that excessive blood and gore, you know, you didn't need to see his brain matter coming out and none of that stuff. It it was creepy in and of itself, just seeing him go limp like that and then being dragged off like a deer. So that one, that one definitely stood out to me. The next one I'm going to go to is actually the remake. Um... Texas Chainsaw, A New Beginning. There's, uh, I mean, there's one particular death I wrote down in my outline, but there's a second one in there. Uh, but the, it's another scene with the hammer. Basically, in this one, you see Tommy getting born at the beginning of the film, and you watch, you know, his mother basically die, and then they throw him in a trash can, and... I guess it's the mother or the grandmother of the Sawyer family finds him in the trash can and takes him in. Well, a few years later, Tommy or Leatherface gets a job at this same uh, slaughterhouse as a butcher and meat packer. And they've been shut down by the health department, but Tommy's just standing there working. And he just keeps working, working, keeps chopping up meat. And his boss is like, you know, we're done here. We've been shut down. The health department has shut us down. We're not cutting any more meat. Stop. And he's he's steady going. And then he makes a mistake and he says, why don't you go, you stupid fucking animal? And then all of a sudden, Tommy just stops. And he starts walking away. Well... A few moments later, he finds his boss in the office and he's got this mallet behind him and first he hits his boss in the head, kind of disorienting him and then a desk, he, he throws a desk on top of him and so he's pinned in the desk and Tommy just first he goes and just fucking hits his knees you see his knees breaking apart you see all this blood coming out and then he goes up to his face and then just with one solid whack hits him in the face with this freaking mallet and i you know just the the inhumanity of it 
and just how power that's really where you get to see how strong Tommy is and the actor that portrays him in this film is like fucking six foot eight six foot nine I mean he's he's a big dude and he's got a solid frame so you know but that that was one of the ones that I was just like oh damn like this is an upgrade this is definitely an upgrade from the original. If you're looking for more gore, not as much the creep factor, but a lot more gore in this one. Um, the second scene is there's this guy in uh, a motorcycle gang. And he's saying the the travelers, the hitchhikers, whatever you want to call them, they are um, they're on the road and they find him and he says, they tell him, look, I know where they took your girlfriend. I know where they took your girlfriend. They're at this house. So he goes to this house, tries to find his girlfriend, ends up in the room where his girlfriend is at. And, you know, he's beating up the guy that's the sheriff or the fake sheriff, rather. And, you know, he's beating him up. He's fucking him up. And then out of nowhere, Tommy comes. And the chainsaw falls out of Tommy's hands and Tommy's kind of going, doing a little back and forth with this guy. And Tommy just throws him on top of the chainsaw while the sheriff has him pinned down and he just cranks the chainsaw up. And, you know, the dude's just doing this blood curdling scream and the chain, you just see, it's like maybe two frames, two or three frames where you see the chainsaw actually pass through him, and you see this dude get severed in half. Um, so that's another one that I I really enjoyed the 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 death scene of um, from that movie. Next one I'm gonna touch base on is Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Now this is my dad's favorite horror movie of all time. It's his favorite Jason movie. Every uh, growing up as a kid, you know, he this this was always the one he bragged about seeing. He got uh, he told me that he got someone else's mom, one of his friend's moms to buy the ticket for him. And they went into this movie theater and saw it. I mean, there's there's a couple of pretty, pretty decently gruesome deaths in this film. Um, the one of the ones is when. The blonde character, gosh, I'm so bad with character names. He's trying to find the cork to open a wine bottle. And you just, Jason just comes out of nowhere and is like, here you go, pins him to the damn cutting board with the wine bottle opener. And then guy turns around while he's screaming and Jason's got a cleaver in his hand and just chops him straight in the face. All the way down, just basically splitting his face open. You see all this blood come out. Um, that one was a really fun one. And the other one I enjoyed, the other death scene I enjoyed, is honestly Jason's death scene. You have a very, very, very young... Um, oh gosh, Goonies. What's his damn name? Corey something. Corey, Corey Feldman. You have a very young Corey Feldman who decides to shave his head to throw Jason off and make himself look like Jason. And he comes down the stairs. Jason sees him, and he's like, what? He's all disoriented, and he drops his machete. So Tommy goes, picks up the machete, 
cuts him straight across the forehead. Jason falls. Or no, he cuts him across the temple. Jason falls straight onto the machete. And like you see his skull split for like that split second as there's blood coming out. And then Tommy just takes the freaking machete because he feels like he sees him move. And he just keeps chopping him, chopping him over and over again while he's screaming, die, 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 die. Just like, and I mean, it's a pretty prolonged scene. Um, and, you know, I mean, that whole movie is just filled with gore from the brim. I mean, it's it's a Friday the 13th movie. What what do you expect? Um so, yeah, that, that one was another really fun one. Uh, next one I'm going to jump on is the Rob Zombie's Halloween remake. Um, there is a particular scene. I mean, it's it's a pretty prolonged scene. And, I mean, all the deaths in this scene are pretty gruesome. And that is when Michael Myers is in the asylum and he's already an adult. And they're going to transfer him to either another cell, another prison. I can't remember. But they're sitting there. They got him in all these handcuffs. They got his legs cuffed together. And he's just standing there following them, all chill, all cool. Then they approach this one door where there has to be people turning a key simultaneously to open the door on either side. And there's there's two doors parallel to each other that almost form like a separate room in this hallway. They he gets into the first little room. They you know, so they turn the key, he gets into the first little room, and then right when they get to turn the second key on the other side, you just see Michael just break his chains. I mean, these are these these aren't like your standard little dinky handcuffs. I mean, they they've got some thick chains on them. He breaks them like they're freaking pencils. Grabs one guy, starts bashing his head up against the door. You see all this blood coming out, and then he punches one dude in the head one time. He's dead. He's not even knocked out. He's just dead. And the lady on the opposite side opens the door. She grabs her shotgun to try and shoot Michael. He grabs one of the he grabs the guy that he just bashed in the head. She shoots him. He runs after this woman and just puts the uh pins the shotgun up against the wall and then just rips her jugular out with his bare hands. And she basically just falls to the floor while there's blood coming out out of her throat all the way down her chest and everything. And then it follows up with uh, Danny Trejo, who is a custodian at this asylum, who always respected Michael, especially when he was a kid, and was really the only one that would talk to him. And he has a set of handcuffs that he picks up from one of the dead officers. And he goes, all right, Michael, well, um, we're just... uh." We're going to we're going to go on and we're going to take you back into your room, okay? All right. So just give me your hands, Mike. I, I got to put these on you, you know. So Michael puts his hands out like he's going to let him do it. And as soon as the cuffs touch his wrists, he just grabs him by the face, hits him a couple of times 
throws him around in the the custodian's office and then there's this tub this metal tub that's just full of water he puts his head down in there a few times for a few seconds there's blood coming out of his mouth out of his nose he lifts him up and he's like oh i was always good to you mikey i was always good to you and just puts him back down into the water and for a few seconds more blood's coming out Lifts him back up, and he was like, why, Mikey, why, I was so... And then, bam, doesn't even let him finish the sentence. Puts him back in the water. Next time he comes up, he's so disoriented, he can't even talk. Then Michael just throws him onto the freaking floor, and he's, like, choking. There's water, blood coming out of his mouth, and Michael just grabs a freaking TV, and you don't see the aftermath of it, but you just see him grab this TV and he just slams it right down and it it cuts to black. That one, I mean, this particular Halloween really became, for the longest time, probably my favorite just because of, you know, I've, I've always loved the original. I mean, hands down, the original is absolutely my favorite, which is the one that I'm going to be talking about next. But he, you know, it just the raw power that Michael has in this one and how just ruthless he is. I mean, he is just absolutely freaking ruthless in this one. And he, you know, just the the lack of compassion, you know, it's it's truly what you would expect Michael to be. Not only that, the guy that plays him, Tyler Maine, is like... I'm pretty sure about the same si- about the same height as Gunnar Hansen, who played the original Leatherface, and I mean he's just as all around, just tall, freaking. I wouldn't say skinny. I mean he's definitely built, but he's this tall dude, and I don't know. It's just the way Rob Zombie made that one was just absolutely fantastic. I thought it was great. I thought it was a unique take on Michael. You know he definitely which there was uh, something I had read in an article when he approached John Carpenter and said, you know, I'm thinking about doing a remake. John Carpenter said, you know, if you do a remake, make it your own. Don't try to follow, you know, don't don't try to make it like a shot-for-shot remake. You know, make it something unique. Make it your own. And that's exactly what he did. I mean, all the same... Michael Myers elements are still there, you know, just like the famous head tilt that he does. Um, The wall pinning scene, which is the one I'm going to talk about next here in just a second, is also there. And, you know, the way that Michael somehow is always in the shot, especially after getting his mask, you know, is is pretty unique. Um, The other death in this film that's pretty ruthless is the scene where he kills his sister's boyfriend. You know, his sister and her boyfriend, it's Halloween night. They're upstairs doing what teenagers do when they're left alone. His father has already had his throat slashed by a young Michael. And he, um, the boyfriend comes downstairs to make himself a sandwich. And you just see Michael with his little clown mask that he had kind of poke around the corner. And he's got a freaking metal baseball bat. 
and he just, he hits him one good time. He screams and he hits him one good time on the back of the head while he's sitting at the table. And then he just goes freaking ham. He just keeps screaming, screaming, screaming. And meanwhile, the dude's legs are twitching the whole time. And then you just see the aftermath of this, his blood matted head and hair. Just, you know, just nothing but like like a freaking crushed watermelon. And his legs are still twitching just a tad. And I was just like, damn. This dude, I definitely, you know, in the original, you only see Michael for like that very split second when he kills his sister. And he's standing outside when his parents find him and he's holding the bloody knife. In this one, they really give you like about 20, 30 minutes of Michael's origin story, which I thought was pretty freaking unique and I I thoroughly enjoyed um so yeah those those are the ones from the remake that I like the next one is going to be the original Halloween which is the very infamous um scene where he pins homeboy to the wall you know they they're going around you know it's Lori's friend they're at her house, you know, her parents are gone, whatever, and they're drinking beers, again, doing what teenagers do, having sex, all that good stuff, and she goes, hey, get me another beer, and so he goes downstairs to go grab another beer, and he realizes the fridge is empty, but he hears a noise, and he thinks it's, you know, his girl trying to mess with him, well, he goes around, he opens one closet door. She's not in there. He's like, I got you. And there's nothing in there. And then right as he goes to open up the second one, like I don't even think he turns the freaking handle, the doorknob all the way. But right as he goes to open this doorknob, Michael just comes barging out. And with one hand, Michael lifts him up against the wall, off the ground, has him pinned. And then you just see the shot where... You just see Michael lift up his knife, and then you just see Boy go limp. Michael lets go slowly with his left hand, and then he lets go of the knife slowly with his right hand, and he's pinned up against the wall. And then you just see Michael do exactly what he does best, which is what made me fall in love with him, other than his mask and his theme song, is he looks at him and he does that head tilt, where he just tilts his head to the right, and to the left just a little bit. Just like he's always admiring his kills a lot of the time. So that one, I remember the first time I saw that one was on AMC when they do their 13 Nights of Halloween. And they start showing all of the old school horror movies. But of course they're like super, super heavily edited. You know, no language, no nudity, not a lot of excessive gore, no language. Yeah, so it's, you know, but... At that age, you know, I was like 11, 12, you know, that's all I was allowed to watch. Um, but still, that scene is still the same way as it is in the unedited film, which I just, I fell in love with. Um, next one, Hellraiser. Hellraiser is not one that's commonly talked about. I've realized that you know, most most of my 
friends who are into horror movies, a lot of them, a good bit of them will tell me they've seen Hellraiser, some of them, um, but I've never sat there except for like one kid in high school, it was either high school or middle school, one kid sat there and told me that it was his favorite horror movie of all time, um, but I hadn't seen it. I just didn't care to see it for the longest time just because it wasn't one that I was I heard that was talked about a lot. You know, I didn't I didn't hear enough about it to really care to look into it. So but just one it was just one of those days where I was on Netflix home alone, bored out of my mind, just trying to watch something I'd never seen before. And they had the first I think they had like the first three Hellraisers on there. Um, so I watched the very first one and yeah, there's a lot of gore in it and it's pretty gross, but the, my very, 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 very favorite scene is the very end when dude is getting all these fish hooks hooked into him and you just see his skin start stretching and it's really cheesy and then he just goes, Jesus wept. And then he just freaking explodes. That scene right there was like, I was watching the whole movie and I was just like, this is kind of boring. You know, I, like like I said, there was a lot of gore in it, but it just, it didn't pique my interest. And until finally that end scene, when he finally gets caught and they just freaking rip him apart. And that, so that one where I was like, okay, I fuck with this movie now. I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's Hellraiser. It's, if you haven't seen it, I would see it just to watch it, you know, just to say you have, but it's, it's, it's not one that really will stick with you. It's not, it's unique. That is for sure. It is original. That is definitely for sure, but it's. Mm, I don't know. It's one of those ones that just never really stuck by me. Um, next one, The Hills Have Eyes. The Hills Have Eyes was scared the living hell out of me first time I watched it. And it's not because it's gory. It just... the The scene that I'm about to talk about is probably... Well, I'm going to lead with the one that's not that interesting, and that is this family stops at a gas station. You know, they're on this RV trip, and they stop at a gas station, and there's this old man there, and, you know, he's acting funky from the start, and so they leave the RV park, and they set up, or they leave the gas station, and the people that are these mutants or whatever you want to call them um, set out one of those spike traps that cops use to give people flat tires when they're doing car chases. And um, so it was... Um, so the RV, they lose control of the RV. They kind of end up again, in the middle of nowhere, I think they're, they're not in Arizona, I can't remember if it's New Mexico, or somewhere like that, but it's, um, they, 
they find this little spot to chill out, and then the grandpa of these people, um, who is a retired cop, is like, no, I got this, whatever, um, and he sends his son-in-law, who he doesn't like, which, I mean, not a lot of people like their in-laws, it's just a thing, um, he was like, why don't you go ahead and go back to that gas station, check it out, so he, main character goes to this gas station, and he just hears this man, he can't find him inside, he can't find the, the guy that owns the gas station there, but he's walking around, and he hears crying from the outhouse, and he opens it up, and this man is just like, I'm sorry, I am so sorry, I don't know why they did this to you, but you know what they did to them, do you know what they did to them, and he just takes a freaking shotgun, and blows the front of his face off, I mean, just freaking, just mush, <laughs> uh, and so that, that's really the first taste of gore that you get, and then the next scene is like, it's so freaking long, and it's just, like, there's, there's no jump scenes in this movie, there's nothing that's gonna make you jump, but the two of these mutants, end up on the RV, they, first, they strap the grandpots like this cross, set him on fire as a distraction, then they go on to the RV where this teenage girl, uh, the wife of the main character, and I think the grandmother is on there too, and they get on to this RV and the girl is freaking out, you know, they're all screaming, and one of the mutants tries to grab the girl, and he tries to feel up on her, whatever, and the other mutant's like, you won't, you don't even know what to do, you don't even know what to do, and he throws him back, so you just see the other mutant turn this girl on her stomach, unzip his pants, pull down the girl's pants, and then from the rear windshield, you just see this girl start screaming, and so then they turn on the mom and they go to the mom and one of the mutants is like, he, he's like, oh, I'm really thirsty. So he tells her to pull her shirt down and he basically starts sucking on her breasts like a creep. And they all think that they're going to be let go. When all of a sudden he just turns this 357 on her and then you just hear a gunshot and see blood splatter all over the windshield of the RV. And like I said, I mean, there's a lot more detail to that scene, but that one is just friggin ruthless. First time I watched that, I, I had to pause the movie for a second and be like, God damn, you know, I, I, I had to sit there and take it in. Um, but that I mean, that whole movie is just buckets of gore and it's it's a pretty twisted one um next one is uh a kind of an underground movie um vhs2 my cousin and i discovered this movie on netflix or no i discovered it first i watched the first one and the first one is pretty decent i mean it, it freaked me out a little bit but it 
you know, it was definitely different. And then the second one came out. And the second one, you know, it's it's a, uh, oh gosh, what do you call those kind of films? An anthology, that's it. It's an anthology film. And, you know, there's like, each video is a different segment or whatever. So you, there's this one particular segment that just sticks to me. And that is, it's basically like these group of, of uh, people who are like reporters or amateur reporters decide to interview this guy who runs, um, I'm just going to flat out say it, it's a cult, you know, just like the Jim Jones kind of deal. Um, but he's, you know, they're, they're all Japanese. I'm pretty sure I don't want to be racist. Please do not be angry at me world. Um, but they, um, they fucking go to his commune and first red flag of this place is like, um, there's this little girl that hands one of the reporters a totem and they, um, he, she was like the, the, the reporter that she handed it to is like, Oh, thanks little girl. And she go she, she under her breath, she's like, under her breath, she's like, I'm not a little girl, but father won't let me be a boy. And they were like, wait, whoa, what? And then the the matriarch or whatever you want to call her is like, all right, that's enough out of you. Come on, let's go inside. And so they take him inside. And just the build to this whole place is just freaking crazy. But I mean, there's like classrooms, you know, they're singing songs. Everything looks normal. And then they go back to interviewing this guy again. And his whole thing is we achieve purity so that we can go into paradise. We are achieving true purity here. And out of nowhere, um, this bell starts ringing. And he goes, it's time, it's time, it's time. And he takes his shirt off. He's got all these scars. And the dude that's interviewing him, sorry, that was, that was my knuckles popping. He's interviewing the guy that he's interviewing him. He just jumps on him from the desk and just slices his throat open with this box cutter. And the the blood is pretty damn excessive. But he finishes cutting this dude's throat and he's just like, just starts humming this song. Well, to summarize, you end up finding out that the reporter that was handed the totem is actually pregnant by one of the other reporters. But little does everybody know, the main reporter is actually engaged to her. And so there's like this whole cheating thing going on. And so they take her down to this freaking room, this basement or whatever. And the guy is trying to find her. And he he's going through this whole freaking commune. And all these people have committed suicide. And they've now basically turned into demons. And you see this guy, uh, the guy that's like the leader of this cult... He's standing in the hallway, and this is the first death that really sticks out, is he's standing in the hallway, he's singing, uh, 
And then he just starts coughing, like, he starts just like, and then he just freaking explodes like the boomers from Left 4 Dead. I don't know if any of you have ever played that game. But he just explodes. And the guy keeps running down the hallway, opens the door where they're keeping his girl, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she's on this table, her legs spread apart, and she's got this massive, massive stomach. All of a sudden, like she was skinny before, but all of a sudden, her stomach is now huge, like she's not even nine months pregnant, but fucking 12 months pregnant. And she is pinned down by these nurses who have also turned into demons. The guy gets them off of her and he lifts up her shirt. And she's got the basically a pentagram carved into her stomach. And he's like, Jesus, what the fuck? He tries to get her off the table. And then you just see her stomach start moving. Kind of like the... Kind of like in the alien movies, you see her stomach start moving, and then you see something kind of poke out, and then out of nowhere, instead of, like it doesn't poke out all the way, it just does like a d- gentle nudge, but you can tell it's a pointed edge, and then bam, freaking horn just comes out of her stomach and splits her open down the middle. And this freaking 12 foot demon. Like it's got a goat head and everything. But it's got two horns on the side. And it's got a horn that's basically like a knife. But it's black. And it's pointed. And it just literally crawls out of her body. And the I don't know how they did this effect. I mean it's. They did this effect so well for such an, uh, a B rated underground horror movie. I thought it was freaking fantastic. Um, so, yeah, that's that's from one of the segments. Uh, there's three or four other segments, but that one just, it always stands out to me because it's the build, you know, it, it gets really intense. Just, yeah, like, it, it just, it, it builds really, really, really well, unlike the other segments. Not saying the other segments are weaker, but this is definitely the strongest of the ones. Um, next one is another anthology horror movie, ABCs of Death 2. This one was also on Netflix for a little while, don't know if it still is, um, but there's two, one of them's kind of comedic, well, honestly, in a really, really twisted way, they can both be construed as comedic, but I'm going to go in alphabetical order. I've only got two on here. I mean, there's a bunch in that movie, but these are the two that um, stood out to me, you know, just trying to keep it short, as short as possible. Um, First one's Hereditary. Now, for those of you who haven't seen ABCs of Death 1 or 2, basically the creators of this film contacted multiple horror directors and said... I need you to make a film, a horror segment based off of this letter and have it be one word. And they sent it to horror directors all around the world. So a lot of these segments are not in English. I mean, there's a few of them that are, but not, you know, I mean, there's Japanese, Korean, 
There's um, there's even one that's really interesting. That's I don't. It's a it's about the Palestinian. It's a Palestinian boy soldier and this Israeli um, pilot, and she's stuck in a tree because she had to eject out of a plane, and they have like this whole conversation and everything. I mean, it's like like I said, it, each it it's it's an interesting film, but the first one's hereditary and basically the, it's like these four siblings and they four or five siblings and they have this grandmother who who has um she's got like this little scarab or something inside of her mouth and basically they're all of her grandchildren are trying to murder her because she's inherited millions and millions over the years. So they're sitting there. They're trying to burn this woman. They're trying to stab her. They're trying to choke her. They're trying to do all sorts of the shit to this poor old woman just to kill her and get her inheritance. And she's just laughing in their faces the whole time. They're trying to come up with all these um, unique ways to try and kill her. Like, it's 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 hilarious. And finally, you know, it's not a, a gruesome death, but she's just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to curse one of you with eternal life. And so she passes the scarab, jumps out of her mouth, and jumps into one of her grandchildren's mouths. And the <laughs> she's sitting there terrified. She's looking mortified because she knows exactly what just happened. And what's going to happen to her? She's basically cursed with eternal life. And her other siblings are like, well, at least we got rid of her. You know, like, that one may not seem interesting to you guys, but I thought it was pretty damn funny. Um, and the next one is just, God, it's so, so weird. It's called Zygote. And essentially it starts off with this... A woman who has a husband and he's got to leave for work, but she's pregnant. And they have like this root. He's, he goes, just make sure you eat your roots and, you know, it'll, it'll slow down your pregnancy until I come back and we'll be ready to have this baby. So he leaves and then... It jumps forward for a little bit, does like a little time skip, and all of a sudden this woman has a stomach the size of her, and she's literally, she's there's this little cat that um, she traps, she puts in a damn snare, kills it, and then all of a sudden you hear this voice, and it's the freaking baby talking to her. And she's like, oh, it's just an evil little bunny. And she's like, oh, I hate bunnies. And she's like, yeah, bunnies can be so evil. And then the baby's like, mom, is it time for me to come out yet? And she goes, no, your father's not home. And so she keeps munching on these roots or whatever. And then it cuts to where the the baby's just ready to come out. And this woman is screaming. And... The, like her stomach is even bigger like it's twice her size now and she's crawling to try and find more of these roots but 
it's empty. And the baby's like, hold on, mom, I'll stay in here. You just, you got to make a little bit of room for me. That's all you got to do. That's all I need. Just make room. And then you just hear something break. And you just see this woman's rib cage just shift. And the baby's like, see, mom, that's a little bit better. And she was like, okay, hold on. And this scene goes on for about three or four minutes. And it's just this woman's entire body just freaking breaking. And then the baby is literally pushing the bones and organs out of her mouth. And basically leaves her with nothing but this hollow bloody skin flap. And she puts it on like a fucking pajama or like a costume. And then she starts cutting pieces off of it. And the husband finally comes home. And is like, you had the baby, didn't you? And it's like a full-grown woman. It's It's a damn full-grown woman. And she was like, sorry, I couldn't hold it anymore. And this guy, this motherfucker sits there and goes, well, I guess we'll just have to try again. And the door closes. And I'm just like, wait, what? This has happened before? Like, what the hell is going on in this segment? And then you just see the the damn letter come up, and it's just, it's titled Zygo, and it makes total sense. But I was just like, what? Try again? Uh, it, it, it was, it, freaking, that was a weird one. Um, next one, keeping with the anthology theme. This one I know for a fact not a lot of people have seen. And it's called Theater Bazaar. And it's, again, another one that's out there. Some of the segments are stronger than others. One segment's pretty graphic. The other one's, you know, I mean, they they all have some elements of gore. Um, except for... Except for the first segment. The first segment is like has this frog lady, whatever. That just wasn't interesting to me. But there's... I think it's the last segment or second to last segment. Um, where there's this girl who... She's homeless and she's living... I don't, I don't even know. She's got like this little room... And, like, you see her boiling her underwear to wash them. You see her boiling this rag that has, like, her period blood on it to get the blood out of it. And so she can rewash it. And one of her eyes is normal, but the other one is, like, really cloudy and has, like, this little red sore right by her iris. And she goes out and around and she finds basically homeless drug addicts and she injects this one woman with heroin with a lethal dose of heroin and then stabs her in the chest with an ice pick and the the way that the blood spurts out of there is just like it doesn't even spurt like it it the way the blood oozes out of there is so freaking real. Like, it is very... Whoever made this movie, or at least directed this segment, knew their anatomy and knew the accuracy of 
you know, how people bleed out when they're stabbed in the heart. Um, and the next thing she does, and this is the part that, and my cousin, he hates, hates, hates any horror movies or anything that have to do with eyes. Anything with eyes just freaks him out. And of course, this segment, she sticks a needle in this woman's eye. She sticks a syringe and sucks the juice out of it. And you just see this eye deflate. And I read about it. And what they did was because it, my cousin and I were just like, no, that's too freaking real. That's real. She's actually deflating an eye. We're, we're sitting there freaking the fuck out. And we paused this movie and we're like, no, we're going to find out if this is really real or not. And we look it up. And what they did was apparently they did just a close up of a pig's eye. They did a close-up of a pig's eye, but they put, like, a contact on it. And they put a, a syringe in there and sucked the juice out, which is why you're able to see this extremely, extremely realistic-looking effect because it's they're sucking juice out of an eye. And then she sits there and injects it into her own eye, where that little red dot is on her iris. And she... All of a sudden, she gains all of these people's memories, like, literally from birth to the moment that she kills them. Like, she kills, like, three people, and she kills, like, three or four people, and she is able to see all of their memories, and it's her drug, it's her addiction. Well, she finds a pregnant woman. Yes, you know exactly where this is going. She finds a pregnant woman and is like, ooh, I wonder what a baby that hasn't been born yet can show me. I really want to know. So she kidnaps and injects this pregnant woman. And then she sticks a syringe in her belly. You don't see the eye that effect. You just see her stick the needle in the belly, suck some juice out, and then she puts it into her own eye. And then she basically starts having like this seizure and starts freaking out. I mean, just straight up freaking out. And this voice comes over and goes, how can you see something that has not yet seen? And like, she's just losing. She's just going out of control. So what does she do? The same ice pick that she uses to kill everybody else. She jabs her own eyes out with. So, yeah, that, that segment right there was, it's, it's a powerful one, y'all. It's a powerful one. It, it is definitely cringeworthy. Um, and so, yeah, but that is Theater Bazaar. They had it on Netflix when I was, like, in high school. I haven't seen it on Netflix since then. Um, but if you can find it, get a hold of it, and... You definitely check it out. Um, next one. Another Rob Zombie film. My favorite, favorite, favorite Rob Zombie film of all time. The Devil's Rejects. And there's two scenes in particular that I love, love, love. And the I'm going to go over the least interesting one, which is when... The cop has Otis and Baby and Captain Spaulding. He's got them all pinned to these chairs. He's set this house on fire, whatever. 
Baby escapes. He runs after her. And then Tiny comes up out of nowhere, grabs him from his head, holds him up in the air, and just breaks his neck. I mean, twists it almost like out of 180. Um... And so that scene is really cool. Like, I I loved it. But the, my favorite one is when Otis takes two of the guys that he's holding hostage um, out into the middle of nowhere to go grab some guns that he buried a couple years back. And they sit there, think they can get the upper hand on him. So they hit him with a a branch. They're kicking him, everything. And then finally Otis gets the upper hand. He stabs one, kills him. And the other one, he like slashes his throat. And the guy is still alive, but he's praying. He's sitting there praying and is like, he goes, come on, come on, keep praying. Keep praying. You pray to your God and you pray real fucking hard because I want a bolt of lightning to come right down and smash me right on my fucking head. And he, he's like, go. and then all of a sudden he goes, oh, 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 I feel it. I feel the spirit. Oh, dear Lord Almighty, I repent. I repent. I am so sorry, dear Lord. And then he stops and he just moves his hair to the side. And he looks at him and he goes, I am the devil. And I am here to do the devil's work. And that line is just so freaking cold. But it is so badass. I can never, ever, ever get over it. That is probably... Just that line alone from that film is probably why it's my favorite Rob Zombie film. Um... And then last one I'm going to close with. Like I said, none of these are in any particular order. But last one I'm going to close with is 31, another Rob Zombie film. Can you tell I'm a Rob Zombie fan? Um, There are two scenes um, that are, well, two deaths, but they're in the same scene. And there's one where, you know, both it's these brothers who are clowns. They both have chainsaws, and one of them is with Sherry Moon Zombie and this other guy, and he's basically, all he's got is a lead pipe, and so does, so does Sherry Moon Zombie, and this guy is sitting there swinging this chainsaw back and forth, and it's almost like a lightsaber battle, but it's, I mean, two pipes and a chainsaw. And they finally managed to knock him off balance. And the guy, the black guy that she's with, grabs a chainsaw. And is like, goes up to him, guy's on his knees. And he's like, no, 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 don't kill me. Don't kill me. We're, we're all just pawns in their game. They make us do this. We're brothers, you and me. We're brothers. Don't kill me. And the guy just looks at him all cold and he's just like, okay, brother. And then he just freaking revs up the chainsaw and puts it right up against his neck. And you just see all the blood. I mean, it's a gory film. You just see all this red mist just squirting everywhere, spurting out. And then he chops his head off all the way. Meanwhile, in the other room, uh, homeboy, homeboy's brother 
he gets overpowered and they put him it's almost exactly like the scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre that I talked about a little bit earlier almost exactly like that scene they put him on top of the chainsaw and Meg Ryan I think no not Meg Ryan no definitely not Meg Ryan I got that so wrong I can't remember her name but she revs up the chainsaw while the guy that she's with has him pinned down and I mean they're they're slicing through him slicing through him and he's like I'm not gonna die you can't kill me I'll never fucking die and I mean this dude is alive I mean he is straight up alive while this chainsaw is going through his stomach and he does not shut up until finally the chainsaw goes all the way through him and then finally he stops um so yeah that that scene right there is that's yeah that that hooked me with that film i would talk about the nazi midget one but that i mean it's interesting but it's it's not as gory or as fun as that one is um well this is my longest episode so far you guys have listened to me ramble a lot today and I am if anybody makes it through this whole podcast I will be super super impressed because like I said I ramble a lot I like the sound of my own voice um next episode I'm not quite sure what I'm gonna go with um I've been kind of bouncing some ideas around um might be able to do some recording tomorrow not quite sure um but like I said always if you guys have any suggestions man hit me up on snapchat C-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-J-O-H-N-S-O-N, all one word, all lowercase. So if you guys want to hit me up, if you have any ideas or any suggestions, or really just want to, you know, critique my podcast, let me know. So thank you guys for listening today, and y'all have a good one. See you next time.